I'm Brittany Hardin-Tangway, a manager with KPMG, and I am fascinated by the practice of transfer pricing and its impact on the global market. Join me each episode as I explore the transfer pricing world with specialists who will explain the ins and outs of this niche practice where tax meets economics. It's time for you to check your engines. We're going to road trip around the world as we start off on our industry series where we'll be talking about transfer pricing in different industries. To kick off this journey, I'm looking at the manufacturing industry, specifically in the automotive industry. And so today with me, I've got Bob Altop, a managing director in our Detroit office, home of the U.S. automotive industry from KPMG U.S. Great to be with you, Brittany. Also in the driver's seat, we have Matilda Johnson, Transfer Pricing Director in Malmo from KPMG Sweden, and a former transfer pricing professional from a European automotive company. Hi, nice to join you. We're in safe hands on the road today. Let's not stall any longer and let's get started on this industry series. Brittany, when I think about industries and transfer pricing, I think the automotive industry is the right place to start your series. I just think about the cars sitting in my driveway. It rolled off a manufacturing line in the United States, but its parts come from Mexico and Europe and China and Japan. The research and development that was undertaken to create the car took place in the U.S. and in Asia and Europe. It can only come together through a global supply chain. You would almost think that half of its sales price would have gone just to pay transfer pricing professionals to figure out how to divvy up the profit between all the countries that have contributed to that vehicle. So with automotive having such an incredibly complex supply chain, transfer pricing is just a critical tax issue. I agree. I think automotive is probably the industry to practice transfer pricing. It doesn't get much more complex or fun doing transfer pricing than within the automotive industry. It has it all. It has key intellectual property that needs to be valued, tangible manufacturing at different levels between heavy manufacturing and assembly, and then critical services in terms of how R&D is undertaken and how products are developed. It really runs the whole gamut. And even once you sell a car, there can be intercompany financing transactions around the lease or the loan. So really all components of transfer pricing are present with the sale of a vehicle. It's neat to think about this because it's a tangible good. It's very easy for everyone to understand what it is and what goes into it. There's tons of service involved, whether it's providing R&D services or to sell and distribute. And increasingly, more and more technology and intangibles and branding. My gosh, how many people wear their favorite car brands on their shirts? We kind of touched on it, but why does transfer pricing matter so much in this industry beyond just the sheer breadth of types of transactions you get to look at? If you just look at developing a new car, it's expensive. And you can see that even more now when all are heading to be more electric or how much investments goes into it and also the resources. So you have a lot of R&D investment going into it and it's kind of spread. You need to figure out how to share those investments with different automotive brands cooperating under one umbrella and who should be allowed to utilize the intellectual property that is being developed. That's one big thing that is quite unique for the automotive industry. People ask me what transfer pricing is. 
I think automotive is a great example. You can have an engine built in the U.S. shipped across the border into Canada to be put into a vehicle. That vehicle is shipped back into the U.S. to be sold to a consumer. And the products never left the company in all of those transfers. And each piece of that journey needs to have a transfer price put on it. That supply chain really makes transfer pricing key with all the additional complexity, as Matilda mentioned, in terms of intellectual property and other aspects that go into the actual parts and the design and the launch of the vehicle. It really is an integrated supply chain. It's in the best interest of any automotive company to keep it all in-house. So you're not involving a ton of third parties. And it's not uncommon to have operations spread across different regions and countries. What are some of the special challenges that the automotive industry experiences as a result of being so dependent on a supply chain? Well, certainly everyone has heard about the shortage of chips, and that's definitely impacted automotive makers. In some instances, thinking about how to redesign parts of the car to minimize the use of chips. But you see this issue as well, particularly in the U.S., around issues like trade and trade wars between countries and that impacting the price of inputs and causing one to rethink, do we want our supply chain as globally distributed as it is? Or do we need to pull some of that back a little closer to home? It really gets caught up not only in the economic issues that have arisen around COVID, but in national issues around trade and political issues around borders. I think you're touching upon something really important there with huge tariffs, which forced automotive manufacturers to basically change their whole supply chain, where to manufacture a car for which markets and so forth. We see the same in Europe that you look at trying to bring things closer. It's a challenge because you want to manufacture close to the market. But then you have certain raw material that naturally come from somewhere else. So then you might want to have production close to the source. So it's a trade-off. Of course, it's quite high barriers to start a new automotive factory, a plant. It's not something you do quickly. So I think there's a lot of things. And on the supply chain disruptions, we in the pandemic had a problem where certain countries closed down completely, which put a stop in the supply chain altogether, both in terms of parts, but also in finished vehicles. So I don't think there's an easy solution, but I do think we will see that you're trying to bring things closer in terms of supply chain. Because different steps of the supply chain are very different. Some may be highly asset intensive when you're actually stamping out metal for a car. Other areas of the supply chain may be very people intensive when you're doing R&D. In other instances, you're just doing assembling. And then, of course, there's the sale aspect as well. And when you think about transfer pricing, we oftentimes like to geek out a little bit around things like how do you measure profit and what's the right approach to that? This is an industry where you look at certain parts of the supply chain and it may be very asset intensive which drives the kind of profit level indicators you may want to think about. And in other instances, it may be very people intensive, and that may change the kind of economic analysis that you want to do. So the supply chain not only brings in a complexity to the industry as a whole, but a complexity to how we go about our transfer pricing analyses. 
considering all of the interactions of things that's on everyone's mind is ESG, environmental, social, and governance concerns. As more car manufacturers shift from producing gasoline to more hybrid vehicles, that seems to be a direct environmental impact. And people seem to be more concerned about this going forward. What impacts might this have on transfer pricing specifically within the automotive industry? Well, you have these big investments that are needed to make this transformation to go fully electric. And there's also new corporations that are involving in terms of battery manufacturers. And then you also have, again, the supply chain. So it's different materials for the batteries. And there is a lot of ESG going into that in terms of how that is being produced. So ESG is really key for the automotives when you do this transition so that it actually has a positive impact. So there will be a lot of transfer pricing, both in the development and joint ventures and different corporation thinking between brands. You have the all charging infrastructure where we will see a development going forward. There is a lot of things that goes into the ESG area for the automotive industry. The importance of batteries is creating some interesting changes in the industry because the automotive manufacturers are not necessarily the global leaders in battery production. And so that's requiring joint ventures between automotive companies and other technology companies, which can have implications for transfer pricing because how you work with a third party in a joint venture could also impact or inform how you transact with related parties within that same supply chain. I also think the ESG impacts the marketing side of the automotive industry as well. I'm aware of a brand of car that's very popular within certain demographics. And if you're in colder climates, it's great to have all-wheel drive, but that's not necessarily the most fuel efficient and fuel efficiency matters to that purchasing group. So manufacturers have had to think about how do we address the environmental impacts of our vehicles and make them more efficient because our consumers are demanding it. They want to feel good about the car that they're driving and how it impacts the environment. It sounds like all this is really accelerating innovation. (laughs) So shifting gears a little bit, the value of premium cars seems to be shifting with computer chips and software continually being a larger part of the car and technology just being a central part of the industry. You know, my last purchasing decision was very much driven by technology. As someone who spends a lot of time on the road, as soon as I could get technology that would let me know if I was having any kind of issue in terms of travel and staying in the lane, if one's tired, that was critical to me. That technology can be life-saving, and it really allows you to distinguish the premium car from perhaps lower profit and lower cost car also a challenge for the premium brands will be to stay ahead right because what is today driving to have a price premium will be something that will be in every car tomorrow so it will require constant development and additional features being added to the car and the development is super fast a great example of that is backup cameras Once a premium feature for added safety now required on a car. So yes, what was premium in a few years can become standard. That's interesting from a transfer pricing perspective, because we talk about the value chain and that is what drives your intercompany pricing. 
So Bob, you're buying a vehicle for the technological advances in safety, but the research for that was probably done quite a few years ago. When you think about maybe a typical automotive platform running for about five to seven years, what may be cutting edge when a platform starts, the competition is likely caught up to by the time a platform ends. And so you continue to build on your technology. What used to allow you to have that vision feature in your car gets built into something more complex to help enable self-driving and, for example, self-parking. You take what's your premium feature and you continue to build upon it for that next generation and really then allowing the consumer to get even more when they next acquire a vehicle. Isn't it difficult to allocate the related profits to the respective investment costs? And what about services? What this drives is what we see in terms of what you add to the offer to the customer, that you're not only buying a car, you have all the service packages you can kind of add on, which is part of getting a return on all the investments you're doing on the technology. drives not only transfer pricing challenges in terms of actually looking at the R&D and how you price the car, but then you have all the add-ons and how you allocate those revenues in a way that will match the investment of the whole platform or the whole car. I think one thing about the way technology within the automotive industry changes quickly and what was premium becomes standard, one thing that that highlights is the nature of returns in the auto industry. The tax authorities may see a location has research and development and anticipate that it will be associated with high profitability. But its returns are very different from an industry like pharmaceuticals, because in the automotive industry, those returns are competed away so quickly. What's innovative quickly is a point of competition and profits start to dwindle as more of the industry develops the technology. And it seems to be that way on both sides of the pond. I think it is. In that respect, it does not differ which side of the Atlantic you are in. So when we think of the automotive industry, they're huge companies and they're very high profile, so they're likely to get audited. Is that right? Yeah, that's my experience. The size of the automotive corporations and also the huge transactions and the vertically integrated supply chain is of interest of the tax authorities. So yes, they do face more scrutiny than other industries. You know, Matilda, that's been my experience as well. And one thing that I think often works well in this industry is the pursuit of what we call advanced pricing agreements, where companies work out in advance with tax authorities how they will set intercompany prices so that as the industry goes through its cycles and profits move up and down, you reduce the risk around tax audits because the pricing has been pre-agreed. Bob, I'm so glad you brought up APAs or advanced pricing agreements because on exploring transfer pricing, stay tuned. We'll explore that topic soon enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matilda and Bob, this has been so much fun. No one else I'd rather take this road trip with. So (laughs) thanks for letting me be a passenger on this first episode in our industry series. Well, and thanks for being our navigator. We would have been lost otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me on this adventure in transfer pricing. See you next time.